to an all or nothing episode of We Only Look Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I'm all. I'm some. I'm Catherine. And I've lost 145 pounds. Yeah, with me. and with... that ain't nothing. And with me today is... Donald Weigel. Welcome. Hello, and I am also all and nothing and everything in between. And I uh, have lost a little over 100 pounds. And uh, I've kept it off for, I don't know, two and a half years. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. We are going to uh, throw a six-pack of knowledge at you today. Oh, yeah. uh, About the whys and hows of why it's so hard to lose weight. We're going to give you some hard truths. Yeah, but a six-pack of them, which sounds friendly and fun. And the listeners are like, I wanted soft cheeses, but instead I'm getting hard truths. (laughs) Soft cheeses. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, uh, but before we get into the uh, the soft cheese middle of, of the episode, yes, exactly. Um, we're going to give you a tip of the week. Tip of the week tip to of the you. Tow. No, tow. Tow, everybody. Tow, everybody. Tip of the week to you, dear. Tip of the week to you. So <laughs> I came up with this gem, this yeah. perfect little gem. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it is a gem. Yeah. And it is to set a default timer. On your smartwatch or your smartphone. Yeah. Uh, I talk a lot about having a, a short amount of time to get a task done, whether it's committing to five minutes of purposeful movement, five minutes of tidying, 10 minutes, whatever. And um, I suggest that a lot in Wolt Place, W-O-L-T Place. Wolt um, Place, our, our s- online support group. So a lot of times... Deciding that you're going to get 30 minutes of activity or focus on a task for a longer period of time can seem really daunting. So we try to pull back and decide what is the smallest amount of time you can commit to doing something. Is it a minute? Is it five minutes? What is it for you, Dom? I'll say five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and James Clear talks about this a lot, um, about how if you feel completely out of control, do a one-minute workout. Like, certainly you can do a one-minute workout or, you know, organize your desk for one minute or, you know, clean up your email for one minute. If you can – if you can – ground yourself enough to do something for a minute and for maybe for you it's two minutes maybe it's five minutes but certainly you know you say to yourself i can do one minute of this right so one trick that i've learned myself a tip a trick whatever is actually on my smartphone i or my smartwatch i have uh, a timer setting and i have it set default to seven minutes which is how long i brew my tea actually Ah. Um, so i have it set to seven minutes and i use that as my default to commit to doing seven minutes of something seven minutes of tidying of walking of doing the stairs and it's a great way so that you don't have to remind yourself like but Catherine, seven minutes are not gonna do anything it turns out in seven minutes i can do 10 flights of stairs yeah. i can clean the kitchen i can get a lot of things done so whatever your starting point is whether it's two minutes five minutes set it and then just leave it as your default and then go back to it anytime you just need five minutes of uh, concentration time or focus um, and it's helped me yeah, I, so you, you hit the timer and you say, okay, for the next seven minutes or five minutes or three minutes or whatever it is that you can do, I'm going to focus and accomplish a task. 
Yeah, so uh, so use that as an extra way. You can do it on your smartphone. We also have a, a Google Home app that listens to every single word we say, which every does. word is magic, and yeah. I'm glad they're listening. Yeah. Uh, but you can set it on your Google Home. You can do lots of different things. So uh, make it happen, get it done, and uh, it uh, it brews a delicious tea. <laughs> and it also <laughs> helps me get in my steps and my uh, my goals. So that's our tip of the week. Tip of the week to you. Tow, everybody. Tow, everybody. And speaking of uh, Google listening to every word that we say, um, and uh, I, for one, want to go on record as saying that I welcome and pledge to serve our digital overlords. <laughs> um, they want, I've been waiting for somebody to listen to me nonstop for yeah, when 40 they, years. When I can they, tell when Don's zoning out. I bet Google's doing the same. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm glad someone else is picking up the slack of listening to every word. <laughs> That's just a little joke. A- anyway, uh, I am somebody who talks about fitness, uh, looks at fitness online, and the inspiration for this episode actually was that Google suggested an article to me. Uh, you know, I get these uh, you know top stories for Donald, things you might be interested in, suggestions on my phone. And- Which is very different than seven years ago. It would have been like the cheese of the month club. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have been how to lay around on the couch and, and eat more or something articles. Uh, do they write those articles? So. <laughs> what website is that? I want to find out. Um, but Google suggested this article. Um, it was on CNET, of all places, which I didn't even know CNET had uh, articles about health and uh, fitness. And, um, you know, they're primarily technology. That's what I know them for anyway. Nerd. And Yeah, exactly. And uh, this article is in their health and wellness section. It was written by a personal trainer named Amanda Caprito. Um, at least I think I'm pronouncing that right. Amanda, if that's not how you say your last name, let us know. And uh, the article is entitled, Why It's So Difficult to Lose Weight, The Hard Truths. Now they tell me. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I do this thing where I I see articles and I see suggestions like this. And I, I typically have this attitude of like, well, we'll see what she has to say about this. He's just afraid he's going to get rickrolled when he, he clicks on one weird trick. Yeah, exactly. I'm afraid it's actually, you know, a slideshow where you have to click on 100 slides or, you know, some sort of clickbait or whatever. But I started reading this and this article, it's almost like it was written by Catherine and I, and I thought it would be a great... uh, So basically we write for CNET. Yeah, If you think about it, it's almost like we're professional. (laughs) Yeah, but she echoes many of the things that we say on this show and many of the things that we champion on this show. You know, I think that a lot of people want to just be told like what to do. They just want, give me the recipes that I need to make in order to lose weight. Like, tell me exactly you know, what exercises to do that are going to be the magic trick. And there's so many more components to it. And um, these are, uh, in her opinion, six of the the things that make it so difficult to lose weight, that it's not just about connecting dots. You have to really get your mindset together is kind of the bottom line here on uh, in order to accomplish your goal. And what she put into six succinct categories it took us two years of podcasting to, to yeah. sort of put it all together. So Exactly. So uh, let's just get started. Her first, uh, her hard truths about why it's so hard to lose weight. You have a short-term attitude. 
And this is essentially our thing that we talk about all the time. I don't think we invented it, but that there is no finish line, that this is a lifelong goal. And I'm just going to read a bit from the article uh, itself. Instead of embarking on fad diet after fad diet, take a long-term approach to weight loss. And she says, everything on this list is somewhat of a hard truth, but this is often the hardest to accept and change. If you approach weight loss with a short-term attitude, you may not make it anywhere except on the yo-yo diet train. And, you know, that's the, I'm just going to lose 10 pounds before such and such a date. You know, I'm just going to do this until I hit a certain weight and then we'll see what happens. Well, and especially with you know, detoxes and fad diets that promise rapid weight loss. And we've done it before too, where, you know, it's like, oh, you'll lose five pounds a week. And that, that happens for maybe two weeks. Yeah. And it's tied, like you, you, you tie weight loss to willpower. Willpower is all you need to get through. And if you can just stick to this and adhere, you lose a lot of weight quickly. Suddenly the willpower goes away and then the weight loss goes away. And you rely on that motivation to get you to your goal. And that goes away. And we think that that's what we need for weight loss. We did the motivation bus episode, which Donald will link to in the show notes. Oh boy, she's giving me homework already. (laughs) About it's not motivation that we need. It's momentum. And momentum takes action. And you just have to keep that, you know, one step after the other. This isn't, we didn't lose all of this weight because we were motivated or because we had willpower. Yeah. We just didn't stop. No, it's not about willpower. It's not like we're walking around like white knuckling it all the time. You know, I don't think anybody is capable of doing that for a lifetime. You know, you have to think about working this you know, coming up with a strategy and a plan that is going to be sustainable, that it's going to become your lifestyle. It's going to become who you are and what you do. It's not some sort of quick fad diet. Well, and we we joke too about that sort of eye of the tiger. I'm going to work out five days a week, two hours at the gym, you know, put my entire life on hold to get this over with and then go back to normal. And um, as you know, that doesn't really work. It's not sustainable. Yeah, and um, uh, Amanda uh, in her article, I'm calling her Amanda. I love Amanda. that you're. We're that's on a first very name. friendly. Yeah, I am very first uncomfortable name basis with that. Now, um, she says part of a part of successful, sustainable weight loss, i.e., losing weight and keeping it off for good, is understanding that fad diets, excessive exercise, and detoxes don't work. They only last as long as your willpower lasts, and I'm willing to bet that's not more than two weeks to like somewhere between two weeks and a couple of months. Well, I've totally seen that where I, you know, time after time, I'll do four or five weeks of hardcore weight loss. I'll lose. It'll be great. And then the first time I gain, I think I'm broken and the system is broken and nothing is fair and it's impossible for me to lose weight. And so I give up and I gain weight. Yay! Yeah, and and we uh, we did an episode. I think we called it "Coming in Hot." About you get that motivation, and it strikes you, and you're you're you know you feel like oh I can do this forever, and you go super hardcore for a couple of weeks, and then you know you might even lose ten pounds in a couple of weeks, and then you know how long is that going to last though? Like once you decide you can't actually go to the gym two hours a day every day for the rest of your life. Yeah, totally. 
So one thing that she brings up kind of at the end, which we wanted to, to segue into now, was that you use supplements instead of eating a healthy diet. So whether that be, you know, shake meal shake programs, which we definitely did over the year, or someone is trying to sell you a program like Isogenics, which is a fat burning machine yeah, bah, bah, yeah. Bah, of like, oh, only spend $500 a month on whatever, and you'll just suddenly lose all this weight. We have fallen victim to those fads, those supplements, thinking that like all we needed was the right water retention pill or, you know, fiber boosting, fat blocking, whatever to have us lose weight. Like that was our problem, not the myriad other problems we had around the quantity of food that we yeah, were Yeah, like there's, there's no magic pill. There's no magic drink. There's no magic supplement that, you know, there's no like pre-workout you know, shake or or drink or something that's going to magically make you lose all the weight and keep it off forever. Like it just it doesn't exist. It's not out there. If if it did exist, you, it would be on every news channel. Like if it was if there was something that was proven to work, we would all know about exactly what it was like. And, you know, she writes here that supplements don't work unless you do. You have to put in the work. There's no magic bullet, no magic potion out there that's just going to magically make you thin and keep you there. Well, and if you enjoy having a protein shake in the morning and you find that to be a satisfying breakfast or something like that, we're not saying don't have a protein shake. But if you think that was the one thing missing from your entire experience, that is just a very small small part of the full puzzle. I know for me, I when I was doing Atkins, I would eat these like Atkins protein bars. And I thought just the act of eating them right. was making fat just run from my system. Like it, And then you end up eating hundreds of calories of, oh my gosh. of protein bars because you think it's the healthy thing when you could have actually just had, you know, something smaller but delicious. You yeah. Know. Well and it's it's just that balance of it's not going to fix the problem because I would go, you know, even on this weight loss journey venture that we're on right now, yeah. I would have a cliff bar and be like, oh, that's a cliff bar. I'm going to have another one. And I'm going to have another one. And then it, suddenly I'm It was 800. a protein builder's oh, bar. It has protein bar. in it. It's, oh, it's healthy for it's you. It's basically a delicious candy bar with right. extra, you know, protein in it. So it is not how I lost 100 pounds. Sure, having one every once in a while is fine and delicious. But like I had a doctor at one point prescribe to me like literally fat blocking pills yeah. that, you know, I was desperate to lose weight. And his answer was take this pill. And it did prevent my intestines from absorbing oil. That wasn't, that was a Band-Aid. Yeah. It was a pill Band-Aid on the bigger problem, which I didn't address for another 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you you know, there's, we we both have emotional eating problems. Let's save that for later. We both have binge (laughs) eating problems um, and we're saving them for later. We're saving them for later. (laughs) Just (laughs) like you might save a snack for later in the day. So, but this leads us into her next point. You have an all or nothing mindset. And I think she writes some really interesting things here that I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to read. And she says, many people who struggle with a short-term attitude also struggle with an all or nothing mindset. And we've done episodes of this show about 
um, the all or nothing mindset. We've done a few of them. None of the titles are coming to me right well, now. Well, we did uh, we did the Giving Tree, which was oh yeah, about the Giving Tree the, recently. Uh, the id ego and super ego, yeah, which is but- the id is the all or which is the nothing, but uh, the you know that instinct of you want it all right now. Or you've got to be perfect, or there's no progress. Yeah, the, it is the is the uh, all, and the uh, super ego was the nothing. Nothing. So she says, I myself began my health and fitness journey with this mindset. I cut out literally all processed foods: no bread, no pasta, no milk, no cheese. Definitely no individually wrapped snacks. She said, I basically existed on chicken, vegetables, and berries. And she says, this was great until it wasn't. <laughs> she's, and I, I, I have been there. Yeah, she's like, and I, I ended up on a CVS run for all the chocolate and goldfish I could hold in two hands. And then she's like, then because I'd ruined, and she puts that in quotes, my diet, I would eat as much as I could physically handle because why not? I've already ruined it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it, we I've done that so many times that like, well, I've blown it this one day. I may as well just blow it again. And, and we talk over and over again on the show about how if you're already in a hole, why would you dig that hole deeper? Well, like you've you've climbed partway up a mountain. Why why would you go all the way back down to the bottom before trying to go back up again? Well, and you buy, you know, a big container of Nutella at Costco to get your money's worth. And then you eat it in the parking lot. And then you think, you know what? I'll just eat the entire tub of it, the entire five pounds right now. Yeah. And then I'll start fresh tomorrow because I've gotten it all out of my system. And then she talks about she'd feel bad about all the snacks she ate and she would return to the overly restrictive diet. She says, this is a destructive cycle to be in, um, but it's something I see all the time as a personal trainer. The all or nothing mindset can keep you in a perpetual cycle of lose, gain, lose, not to mention the shame and guilt around food. And, you know, I think that is a huge thing that I did for, you know, the first 45 plus years of my life. Well, and for sure, I think I tried it. I tried to hate myself thin for so many years of like, I hate my thighs. I've got to make them smaller. I hate what I did yesterday. Like, oh, I overate. I've got to punish myself. And being in a situation where all you're doing is punishing yourself for bad behavior instead of investing in positive aspects of your life, that hate loss, which I just came up Whoa! with. Whoa, that is Trademark good. Trademark me. Yeah. Uh, in 10 years, somebody's going to be quoting that yeah, <laughs> on their yeah. own podcast. Exactly. But that, you know, that punishment weight loss, that I'm not good enough, I don't deserve weight loss, is a cycle that we were caught up in for years. And it would always end in me losing and then gaining and then gaining more above like if i had just stayed at the weight that i was i started weight watchers at 200 pounds two and a half years later i was 300 pounds like and that was when i started my journey and i just you know weighed my way up the scale from quitting 50 times so uh i'm against it there i said it and just quickly before we move on she also points out that it can be the same with exercise too that people you know will dive headlong into these workouts and they'll feel like they're crushing it and then you know and that works great until they don't until they can't until they have one bad day and then they stop and then they decide, well, I missed that day. So I may as well, you know, not even bother continuing on it. And it's that idea that we talk about all the time about, you know, not doing exercises that you absolutely hate, like figure out a way to work it 
you know, work exercise into your life in a way that you actually enjoy. Yep. So uh, the next uh, thing she talk about talks about is that you lack a support system. And this one can be very difficult for people. And I, but I think it's something that people don't uh, think about a lot of times. She talks about supportive friends, family members, and significant others are critical to successful weight loss. If I was asked to cite the most common reason for not sticking to a healthy diet from my past personal training clients, I would say it is stigma. She says, as as hard as it is to believe, but I think we've all had, I you know, I know I have, have all had family members and friends who make fun of us for having healthy choices. And she says, at family gatherings and social outings, I'd get comments like, that's all you're eating? Or you're really not going to eat any dessert? Or, you know, somebody would say, laden with sarcasm, next time we'll have a salad potluck. And, you know, we would get comments all the time from relatives like, oh, my goodness, no one could possibly eat all that. And just making it shameful on top of, you know, it's it works both ways. And she says, it's not fun to be ridiculed or scoffed at, especially for things you care about. So it can be very easy to fall into a trap of eating and drinking for the sake of your social life. I know that I have uh, fallen into that in the past. You know, I would I would be trying to be healthy, you know, which of course isn't the long-term answer to success, but and then people would be like, "Oh, come on, come on. It's just one come on." Well, and two, there are a couple of things and we've talked about this before. We did an episode uh, about a year and a half ago called Party of One where we talked about how to get through weight loss when you do not have that support. You might have a spouse that doesn't or a, a partner or a friend who doesn't have an issue with food the way you do. They do not understand your perspective because for them it's so simple and easy yeah. that they just don't even it doesn't register to them that it's an issue yeah they'll um, say things like just just eat less like i don't understand like what's the big deal right and that leads to secret eating um, but it also if you have failed on fad diets before and you're finally committing to a lifestyle change your support system may have seen you fail 20 yeah. times before, and they don't want to participate in that anymore. So they kind of act, you know, disinterested or unsupportive. Uh, they might also just be jerk faces, which is also <laughs> something she does not address in the CNET article. Is Perhaps the jerk face. all of your friends and family are jerk faces and you need some new ones. But it's, you know, food is so social and drinking can be optional, but food is a way to find fellowship right now in this time of COVID. It is a way to support local business. And it there is just so much weight around the topic of food. You do not, and we talked about this in, uh, in the Party of One episode, you do not need to tell everyone you see what you're doing. You do not need to announce that you're on a new plan. You do not need to entrust people with your deepest emotions and vulnerabilities. Finding the right people who deserve to hear your story, who understand yeah. it, matters. When I started this last time, Jern Ben, 
Donald was not interested in weight loss, and I had to be brave enough to do it on my own and not look to him for, well, I can only lose weight if Donald's losing weight. I can only do it if the people at work are doing Weight Watchers. Yeah. I had to decide that I needed to do it for myself. But then beyond that, and something that she mentions in the article, uh, is that finding the right support system matters. That might be an online community like World Place WLT Place. Yeah, um, and, and she specifically mentions Mentions that. World Place. Yeah, no, yeah, but World Place. Um, <laughs> We're no, paraphrasing. I, I mean, she says in the article, I'll just, I'll just read it. If you currently feel a lack of a support system, try having open conversations with your family, friends, and partner about it. You can make it clear that they don't have to change their eating habits if they don't want to, but that your health means a lot to you and you'd appreciate it if they didn't mock or downplay your hard work. And I know that that's easier said than done, but that sounds like a, you know, that is a really good solid approach. But if that doesn't work, uh, she suggests trying to find online communities that support both health and body positivity. Well, but two, I think, you know, going back to that thing of, you know, please don't judge my journey. There are many times when I plan an indulgence and people will say something like, I thought you were on a diet, which is kind of why not sharing with everybody what you're doing, just quietly going about your business and making decisions without announcing to the world, I'm on a diet and this time it's different. You don't have to say that. You can wait a while and make quiet progress without broadly and announcing that you're on a plan because I've done that before too, where I'm, you know, I had lost 30 pounds or so before I even wanted to kind of talk about it to anybody because it felt so vulnerable because I had failed so many times. So finding again, the right people to communicate with the right people who understand what you're going through matters because there are just going to be people in your life who say, I thought you were on a diet wow, nobody could eat that giant salad. Well, and it's difficult in the moment for sure, but try to remember too that a lot of the people saying those sort of things are saying them because they feel guilt and shame about the choices that they are making. And when you see other people indulging in things, it makes you feel better about indulging in things. At least for me, you know, I know that when I would see somebody else abstaining, I would feel bad about the choices that I was making. So it may not be about you. It may be about them. Yeah. The next thing that she uh, points out in her article is that uh, the hard truth is you think exercise conquers all. And she says you just can't out-exercise a poor diet. Exercise should definitely be part of your overall approach to weight loss because it's proven to aid weight loss, not to mention the long list of other health benefits, but it's difficult to lose weight from exercise alone. Many people overestimate the number of calories they think they burn from their workouts. It's probably a lot less than you think. This is the thing that we talk about all the time where we say you can't outrun a fork. It's so true. And I think there are so many times and so many messages that we receive. I was even on my fitness pal the other day looking up a calorie count for something and it gave the calorie count and then to the right of it it said like you would have to swim 25 laps to burn this off you would have to run blah 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 you would need to lift weights for 20 minutes as though that there was an exchange system like a deal a meal of like you only get to (laughs) eat deal a meal you only get to have the snickers bar if you're willing to run 10 miles afterward and 
I know people who exercise and, and there's actually something called exercise bulimia where yeah. you, uh, you eat and then you work out intensely to counteract the, uh, the calories that you've eaten. Well, it's funny. I actually highlighted another paragraph in the article where she says, focusing on only exercise can lead to a destructive cycle of exercising extra to burn off calories you feel you shouldn't have eaten. Or you may end up feeling like you need to earn your calories through exercise. Either way, taking this approach can lead to a strained relationship with food and exercise as well as stalled weight loss. Well, and That's exactly what you were just saying. That was it. I think I also read the article, so I might oh, have yeah. just made all of that up yeah, yeah. myself. I didn't invent it. But I definitely, over you know 20 plus years of working on weight loss uh, or weight gain is actually kind of more what I was working on. I would do that, like, <laughs> go to the gym and be on the elliptical for an hour and then sit for tw- the rest of oh, the yeah. 23 hours a day. I would assume that just because Donald and I took a two-mile walk that that meant, like, takeout night. And dividing your day by 30 minutes of activity means I get to sit the rest of the time is super dangerous. And there are also people who say like, I can, all I can do is either work out or focus on my weight. I can't do both. I can't manage yeah. my kitchen and I can't work out. I think uh Yanni Friedhoff talked about how if you're going to spend 30 minutes doing something, focus on the kitchen, yeah, not exercising because what we do in the kitchen pre-tracking our calories prepping you know salads to eat really focusing on mindful eating actually matters more in the beginning stages of weight loss yeah than deciding that you're going to work out for a half hour if you only have 30 minutes focus on that food time not on the exercise yeah, I think the food is far more important. And, you know, I I got a ton of steps uh, while I was, you know, trying to reach my goal weight. But really, it was the focus on the food that was the most important part. And all I did was walk uh, up until about the point that I got my goal weight. And then after that, I focused on adding other kinds of exercise, uh, the strength training, the uh, little bit of yoga here and there, the blogilates, all those things that we talk about all the time. Like all I did was for exercise was walk. And then I added things later after I'd hit my goal weight to try and feel better. Well, and I still come across people who say, I don't know what is happening. I'm going to CrossFit every day. I'm, you know, running 10 miles a day and I'm not losing any weight. I don't understand. Like I am doing everything right. It's like, well, are you tracking your calories? Yeah. Are you no, I'm just eating healthier. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> you know, I, if- I've run into people in my life too who who say all the time and I, you know, I think I used to be one of them to a certain extent that I just need to find time to get to the gym. I just need to exercise while they're not doing anything about their diet. You know, I see them in my office eating bagels loaded with cream cheese all day long and then 
talking about how oh I'm it's not it's not the diet it's just I can't have, find time to exercise. Yeah. Well, and two, I remember when Michael Phelps was sweeping the airwaves oh, yeah. uh, with uh, and swimming the laps and I found out he was able to eat 10,000 calories a day and I was like I need to get in the pool. Yeah. Like, oh man, that's all I have to do is be an elite Olympic athlete that's and then all. I can have 10,000 calories and, a day and win like 30 gold medals or whatever yeah, he's won. Some ridiculous number of medals. As yeah that but that kind of imagining your how amazing your life would be if you could just burn 10,000 calories a day swimming laps the the problem with that aside from me having no swimming talent nor have i spent <laughs> my life you know swimming aside from that if we're not looking at that right. is that if you injure yourself and you can no longer exercise. Yeah, you got nothing. And you're still eating ten thousand calories a day still, on the Michael Phelps diet. Exactly. But I mean, last summer I hurt my foot walking to the kitchen. Yeah, um, as you do, as you do when you're 45. Right. And I couldn't. I literally could not walk more than a couple of steps for three weeks. And if all I did was rely on running yeah. or, you know, high intensity, whatever, or jumping jacks to lose weight or to maintain my weight, and then I lost that, I would have, it would have been over for me. Yeah. Luckily, I knew that I needed a balanced and measured approach to my weight loss. And so I ended up eating less. I ended up modifying exercises to not be on my feet. And I got through it. But that's only because I had built that skill set. If you are relying on your gym or your trainer to get you to your goal and then that goes away, you can't go to the gym, your trainer moves away. And then you go, oh, no, now I'm lost with that. That's how you talk when you're, you're spinning <laughs> out of control. <laughs> that was the spinning out of control voice. Then, you know, it's all about diversifying your portfolio of health. And that happens first in the kitchen and second with purposeful movement that you enjoy. Yes, indeed. And so the final part of the article, the final hard truth is that um, she says, your sleep, stress, and workload are working against you. And I think that the way she phrased that is a little bit misleading. What she's talking about is that you have to focus on more than just diet and exercise. Um, you have to focus on the mindset part of this, but you also have to focus on controlling your sleep and controlling your stress. And those are two huge components that I think people often overlook. But can't I just do nothing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, she gives the example of, you know, you wake up, motivated and you feel ready to seize the day you have plans for a post-work interval run and your healthy prep dinner is waiting in the fridge for you that sounds amazing um and then a few hours into your day your lack of sleep catches up with you by the time work is over you're too tired to go for that run you're too drained and you decide to skip it you've been so stressed and so uh and so beaten down at work i'm paraphrasing here that you decide you deserve comfort food and so you stop and get something at the uh at the drive through and she says you know occasionally this happens to everybody but this is a vicious cycle that happens to people over and over again and i know it would happen to me i would wake up and be like okay today is the day i'm going to you know really 
really do this. I'm going to do that exercise I said I was going to do. I'm going to eat that healthy food. And then by four in the afternoon, I was just, you know, head first into a bowl of, you know, mini Snickers or something at work. For some reason, I was just thinking about the smashing pumpkins and like there, you were saying like you wake up and today is going to be great. And I just imagine that song like today is the greatest day ever. <laughs> and you're like, oh, everything is possible. I'm totally in the control. And then by like six o'clock, it's like, like the world is a vampire. Big, yeah. Despite all your rage, are you just a rat in a cage? I feel like Siamese Dreams definitely covers the entire spectrum of weight loss. Exactly. But that, you know, that morning motivation where we think like today we're going to, you know, it's going to be perfect and everything is going to go our way. I think Donald and I have spent the last four years realizing that most things are not going to go as planned and having that backup plan of the frozen meal that you can go to if you can't make dinner that night, if you can rebound instead of going on that run, modifying your plan and realizing that revenge eating to soothe yourself after you've been abused emotionally at work, yeah, it all matters. And that mindset aspect of weight loss I ignored from age, what, four years old until 41? From age birth until until recently. But that whole thing of, you know, sleeps and stress are against you. What role are you playing in perpetuating that? You're scrolling Instagram for two hours at night because you feel like you deserve downtime. You have a cocktail and it makes you sleep worse. And then you wake up late and then you go and you get the donut. You are perpetuating a cycle of your own abuse. And Donald has talked about it before too, about how sometimes we entrap ourselves in that cycle so that we can perpetuate eating poorly. So yeah. that we can go like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm so stressed out. No, I'm going to eat just the work food in the kitchen because what else am I supposed to do? And we do it on purpose because yeah. we actually want an excuse to eat poorly. And if there is, you know, the mindset obviously was the biggest thing. But if there's one practical thing that I think I've underestimated my whole life until recently – is that sleep is so important in getting this done. If you are not well rested and you are do not have that energy, that it is almost impossible to do this. And I know for me, I make worse and worse decisions as the day goes on. As I get more and more tired, the later I stay up, I make worse and worse decisions. And I found that I did about 90 plus percent of my binge eating late at night. I would be fine all day and be under control. And then I would get to the end of the day and my decision making powers would just deteriorate. And suddenly I was just eating all the food in the kitchen and secretly eating it as well. Well, and James Clear talks about that decision fatigue that we have and that how it is normal to be more tired in the evening and to make poorer choices. And the more we can set ourselves up with success by proactively creating a positive environment, Donald and I are super boring and we go to bed lights out at 930 at night. Yeah, Four years ago, we went to bed at 11 o'clock at night because we had to watch that, you know, Seinfeld rerun again. And we wanted downtime after our daughter went to sleep. We were just robbing from ourselves. We felt like we deserved that downtime and that relaxing time. But really, 
I was showing up to work late, which made me, you know, uh, but I've obviously had time to stop at McDonald's for an extra Right. Treat. But, you know, that perpetual exhaustion, that over committing to volunteer opportunities, to not setting boundaries with family, all of that was part of my stress. All of that was, you know, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Poor me. I'm a victim. I'm a martyr. I did that for decades, being the martyr, not telling Donald what my needs were. Like, it is so impactful to the whole weight loss journey. And we can talk about tracking calories and doing Weight Watchers and having a Fitbit. But if we don't get our mindset in check, if we don't start taking responsibility as grownups, like we are actual grownups. Yeah, like this is life. We're not waiting for it to start. Like this is this is it. We're living it. Yeah. If we don't start taking responsibility for the role that we play in victimizing ourselves, in proactively planning, like, oh, no, I can't believe we're out of food. I guess I have to get takeout again. Oh, no, why is this happening to me? Uh, FML, everyone. Falling out of control (laughs) voice again. But we have to set boundaries with others and with ourselves. This process is difficult. It is not always a party. It's not a pleasure cruise. Like, no. And if we think that we have to be entertained by the process every single day, every single minute, if it's not fun, like we're going to be where we were three years ago, four years ago, which was with diabetes diagnosis, where we slept all day and where we didn't want to see people because we were ashamed of our bodies and our mindsets. Like we are different people now. And that did not happen by accident. It didn't happen by over-exercising. It didn't no. happen by keeping Donald from talking for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he was giving me a look, was like, is she ever going to stop talking? But I am listening intently. I'm hanging on every word. <laughs> Thank you. But it is a group effort. It, it, it takes your stress level. It takes food habits. It takes purposeful movement. It takes support in various ways. And that mindset all comes together to create a better version of yourself that I know is in there. Like it was there for us and we had to chisel away at it instead oh of being goodness. victims. Yeah, like if if we can do it, we know you can too. There was nobody who was lower than the two of us <laughs> and we turned it around and we're here now. And speaking of support, thank you so much for supporting us by listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate every one of you. And we really appreciate uh, your feedback. Um, if you could do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review, it means a lot to us. And it actually really helps to promote the show. Um, when people search for shows in our category, you know, the more ratings and reviews that we have, the easier it is to find because Apple boosts those to the top of the uh, the searches. Yeah, and plus it feels super good to give back to a show that brings you so much joy and so much satisfaction, so we really appreciate it. You can also reach out to us <laughs> on uh, email at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. You can find us on the socials at weonlylookthin, Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitters. And uh, you can find us at weonlylookthin.com. And if you're looking for uh, a support group because uh, you you need something like we were talking about online, you can click on uh, the Join Our Support Group link uh, and you can find out more about Walt Place, We Only Look Thin Place, which is an online support group for women. Yeah, and uh, we do a lot of the emotional 
work there. We're not necessarily focused on calories. We've got people on many different plans, but that mindset component, that support system is pretty incredible. I'm really proud of all the work that everyone is doing in the group to uh, to better themselves. And I actually have a, a coda at the end of all of this, which Donald was not expecting. If for some reason... Our good friends at iTunes or Apple Podcasts oh, or whatever yeah. don't post an episode of We Only Look Thin. We in two and a half years have never missed an episode. Yeah, we had a we had a technical issue recently. Uh, I don't want to bore everybody to death, uh, but we still don't know what caused it. Where uh, an episode it was showing up for on all the Android formats, but not showing up on iTunes for some reason. So. If if you don't see it, reach out to us. We haven't missed an episode yet, so it will be there every, you know, late Sunday night slash Monday morning, depending yeah. on where you live. And if you don't see it on your iPhone, you can just go to our website, weonlylookthin.com, and all of our podcast episodes are posted there. So we welcome accountability. If you don't see it there, uh, we record in advance of the 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 posting. So there's always going to be time for us to post. So please take a look for it because it's there, even if it's not on our friend uh, Apple. Yes, so, indeed. Our friend <laughs> Apple. Our friend Apple. So if you can't remember what the Smashing Pumpkins have to do with smashing your day, <laughs> just remember that Catherine and I are an, an inspiration. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.